0: For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is The Icons Club.
1: So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kevin O'Connor. Thank you for listening to The Void. Today, we're bringing on Dan Devine from TheRinger.com, who wrote a great piece about the Dallas Mavericks and Luca and Dinwiddie and how that team has been thriving since the Porzingis trade. We're going to talk about a lot of news. We've got some injury news with Ben Simmons, with Steph Curry. We're talking about the Rookie of the Year race. The guys who aren't quite in the race, like Jalen Green and Franz Wagner, but are having great rookie years. I thought this was a really fun conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. Here's my conversation with Dan Devine. What's going on, Dan? How you doing today? Not much. I like what you've
0: done with this void. It's not uh, a yawning black chasm that I feel swallowed up by. It's, it's, it's a little
1: homier. It's quite nice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, we're on Zoom right now, I get the fake bricks behind me. It feels very, very <laughs> wintry right now. It feels very nice. Uh, and we have so much to talk about today. I want to start off with the Dallas Mavericks before we go around the NBA talking about some of the latest news. We got Steph news, Ben Simmons news. Uh, we got a lot else to talk about. But let's start off with the Dallas Mavericks. You wrote about them on the Ringer.com yesterday. Uh, since Spencer Dinwiddie's debut, the Mavericks are 10-2. Uh, and since Luka began to explode in mid January, they're 21 and 7. Since New Year's Eve, they're 27 and 8. The second best record in the entire NBA behind only the Phoenix Suns. Dallas has been great for a really, really long time, but right now they're even better since that break, since that KP trade. Dan, how have the changes to this Mavs roster fueled this surge by Luka and what's happening with the whole team right now? Well, I think
0: it's sort of like they are uh, you understood at the beginning of the season that the idea was we have to figure out how to democratize this offense. We went all in on all Luca during last last playoffs, and uh, we saw that at a certain point there's was, it wasn't going to be enough for us. And we have Porzingis. We've got everything invested in Porzingis. We've got to figure out how to feature him and kind of spread the wealth. But it feels now like a little bit like they've just decided instead of trying to make a sports car or a, a race car into also a minivan, We're just going to make a really fucking good sports car. Like, we're going to be, I guess, we're going to open things up one big at a time, uh, you know, shooting all over the place, multiple ball handlers, multiple creators, and give Luca the space to cook. And obviously, I mean, it's not a revolutionary idea. We've seen this sort of construction work really well with guys like LeBron and Harden in the past, but it's like if you give a guy that's that good at that many things space to do it, and then all the defensive attention has to go to him, it makes life easier on everybody else, too. So it's a construction we've seen before, but he seems more comfortable in it and like he's more you know, confident in who's around him. He's, he seems to have meshed with Dinwiddie really well. So it's like it opens up the floor. They, the, the defensive underpinnings of what's made them good, a lot of that happened with Porzingis off the floor, so it's not like they've had to re- readjust too much in that capacity. So they just wind up looking like a team that's playing, instead of trying to be something it wasn't, playing as the best version of itself more often. That's a great
1: way to put it. They're, they've almost embraced just that, you know, heliocentric, give the ball to Luca and get out the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you had this, the stat in your article that he's possessing the ball for 10 minutes per game, which is something that we've really only seen from a guy like in the 16-17 season with Russell Westbrook. And, and yet, though, having Dinwiddie and having Brunson Having two guys who can handle the ball, make plays, allow Luca to come off some of those dribble handoff actions to get the ball off movement rather than dribbling it up. Like it, he's possessing the ball more, and they're leaning more into it, and yet it feels a little different by by having those guys around him with the way they, they share the ball. Totally. I mean, the, the difference is if
0: he's catch, catching it off one of those handoffs coming out of the corner, he's already on the move. He's already got a head start. The defense is already reacting, as opposed to. He gets the defensive rebound, and they kind of plod their way up the court, and everybody gets a chance to set up. He can do that. I mean, obviously, we've seen him unlock defenses in all sorts of capacities. But it, if you can make his life that much easier, um, the extent—I think that's the bet they're making. Yeah, the workload's nuts. You know, you the uh, the the history of guys with like a forty percent usage rate succeeding over the course of the postseason is not very great. You know, it's not a—it's uh, it, not the kind of distribution of, of assets you want to have. But if you're making some of those catches easier, some of those opportunities to attack easier, you're decongesting the paint so that basically every time he's in there, it's a layup, it's a foul, or it's a kick out to somebody that, that can knock down a shot or make a catch, beat a closeout and go. Like it just, it seems like even though he's ha- got more on his plate, it's easier for him to bear that burden. And I think what you see is it's it was kind of hilarious watching the Nets game Seeing, and and, 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 and I understand that Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the world, but seeing that the defensive game plan on him and on Kevin Durant was like almost the same, like we are going to trap that guy. We're going to force the ball. Oh, wow. You have to treat this guy like he's one of the best players ever. That's what you need to do to beat this team. And then to see Dallas respond to it, like, but we know how to play out of that now. And they're getting so many more reps playing out of it. So you're getting more opportunities for Brunson to get downhill and create. You're getting more opportunities for uh, Dorian Finney-Smith to basically play pop a shot. Josh Green is like catching in the corner and being able to make quicker decisions or go right up with the ball. Everybody's learning how to be in their roles in this, in this structure. And I got to imagine that's going to pay dividends come the playoffs.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Like it, with with Luca, it's the type of thing right now where he's averaging since January nineteenth, which I, I think is the date where after he came back from his midseason injury, COVID. That's the day where I was like, okay, he's back in shape. Like he, right. he looks amazing. He so I think he had forty one points that night, but since that date, mid January, he's averaging thirty two point six points, thirty nine percent from three, trying nine free throws per game, ten point one rebounds, eight point four assists, playing way better defense than he did earlier in the season, A- and as you said. He's being defended like one of the best players ever. Like, that's the way, that's the respect he's being given by defenses, the way in which they are often paying him attention. Um, But with the roster around them all playing in this style, like you said, come playoff time, when things slow down and you're not getting those transition opportunities, you're running more half court. Well, that's what Dallas is already doing. (laughs) They're they're already doing it and they're already putting up absurd offensive numbers by playing the way teams typically have to play in the postseason. you know, with with Luca, like we've seen him have two incredible postseason runs in the first round, two years in a row against the Clippers, and we've seen what he can do against great defenses, great defenders on the biggest stage. With this team right now, Dan, uh, Luca feels like he's better than he's ever been. Uh, are we underrating what they could be in the playoffs as a collective unit, or is it uh, is it? solely reliant on the production of Luca, Like, does he need to be absurd? Or is there there something to the collective of this team that can make a run? Yeah, I think that there. I mean, it's maybe a little of column
0: A, a little of column B. The team concept only works if he's this guy. The good news is, he's this guy, right? And we've seen him be this guy (laughs) against, like, can you imagine? It's hard to construct a better defense to deal with him than, Kawhi and PG on the perimeter, right? So, like, he's been that dude against that defense two postseasons in a row. And so, what it comes down to then is do you believe that that A plus level guy with B, B plus ish talent around him that fits really well can that beat teams that have two of those A guys or, you know, a slightly higher, I don't know, A plus plus level guy or whatever? And so the construction, I mean, the, the obvious connect point of connectivity is Dallas did it in 2011 with Dirk and they had with a good defense behind him and role players that fit and who were like ready to, to rise to the moment. Another one might be, you know, Toronto in 2019. And like, I don't know, I mean, it, you can't necessarily draw the direct lines like Jalen Brunson is Kyle Lowry and, you know, whatever you can't necessarily do that the idea of if the fundamentals of the defense are sound, and I think they are, I don't think this is like necessarily smoke and mirrors for them to be good, maybe not like best defense in the league like they were for a while, but good. If that's real, and if Luka's real, then what you need is those guys, enough of those guys to make enough shots or enough plays on the ball. And like, you know, we've we've seen teams in the past when their big number one guy goes off the court, they just completely crater. Well, now if you have Dinwiddie and Brunson able to run together, and they've been doing pretty well with that, with the, the limited minutes they've had the two of them on the court with Luka sitting, the offense has pretty much stayed afloat. If you're, like, level in the non-Luka minutes and you can go nuts in the Luka minutes, yeah, I mean, why not Dallas at that point? And, and so, obviously, matchups are a huge part of it, and, you know, the the top six in the West is going to be absolutely brutal, especially as people get healthier, you know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood and oh, knock, yeah. on the bri- knock on the bricks behind you and everything else. But, like... um, <laughs> Dou- i mean it's hard for me to look at it and say no no no. this is kind of fluky because yeah even though it relies on luca being a, a super high usage guy we i believe he can do that i believe he can do that against the best defenses well, that they're going to face th-
1: tell me this then i mean give me give me a quick yes or no to this question w- would you be surprised if the mavericks made it to the western conference finals
0: no i would not be shocked by that i mean i think the the, the, the oh, one, slightly more, one long- more
1: would you be yeah, surprised if the Mavs made it to the nba finals yeah, why? I don't know why. I, mean, like, I don't know so why you that's just gave, yeah, so I asked that question on Twitter. West Finals was forty percent yes, surprise; fifty-two percent not surprise. NBA Finals was seventy-nine percent yes, surprise; twenty-one percent not surprise. So you're in agreement with like what people said on NBA Twitter, as am mm-hmm. I, for what it's worth. Um, yeah, like yeah. a little, uh, but but with that said though, everything you're saying—if you're saying no, you won't be surprised at the West Finals if you get all the way there to the Final Four. I don't know. You got a shot. You get you get a shot. If they're in the West Finals, they have a chance. <laughs> of well, I think yeah, they're gonna yeah. have a shot. You know, yeah. And I mean,
0: I, I think a lot of it will depend. It depends on seeding too, right? Like, I mean, sure, matchups. Yeah, and so if you're talking like off like off the rip, if they got to go, although I guess if, what we're saying if they're if they're in the four or five series, they get past. You know, if that's Utah, then they go to deal with Phoenix in round two. So I guess like it's not necessarily more surprising if they beat Utah if they beat uh, Phoenix in round two. Then I guess you wouldn't necessarily say they're like not. They kind of have to be considered the favorite. So I don't know. I guess the answer is that maybe like motivated reasoning on my part. I'm like, no, no, no. I think it's like I can be fair. I can be like, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me there, but I'm not going to be like, yes, they're going to win the finals because I am a tepid takesman, Kevin O'Connor. Maybe that's the problem here. <laughs> I have not. I, I don't have the courage of my convictions even after having written all that about Luka and the Mavs. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, the way I look at it is, Dallas can beat Utah. Dallas can beat Memphis. Dallas can beat Denver though. Though Jokic is, is such a a challenging matchup with his size against that leaner, smaller Mavericks front court that it really depends a lot on the health of Murray and Porter Jr. But like I think with those guys or without those guys I I lean Denver, um, but that's the type of series I could go 7, but I not, I would not pick the Mavs against a healthy Warriors team, but we'll see if they'll actually be healthy with the the Steph Curry news on indefinitely. I would not pick them to beat the Suns. The Suns have Dallas's number. Phoenix is 6-0 versus Dallas going back to last season, but those games have been close. It's not like they've all been blowouts. And also, the Suns haven't faced these Mavs, these smaller, spacier, scarier Mavericks. So I, I can't. I can't. I I might be surprised, but I can't rule out Luca pulling an O seven. LeBron. LeBron was twenty two when he led the Cavs all the way to the finals, and they got swept by the Spurs. Luca's twenty two, playing the best basketball of his life. Thirty two, ten and eight for two straight months. Ever since he got in shape, thirty two, ten and eight. And his team looks better than it ever has. It looks like it fits better than it ever has for a guy that just went toe-to-toe with the Clippers two straight years with worse rosters and a broken KP. So, I'm warning everyone now, you can't count out the Dallas Mavericks. You can't count them out.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I think that's the thing about the West that's going to be so nuts is like, I think you can make, you could sort of cut and paste or find and replace every team in that discussion. Like, it would not surprise me if any of those top six made it all the way there. Like, sh- I mean, it would not shock me, I should say. Like, surprise, sure. I, you know, they, they, as you get further down the bracket, it's a little bit dicier. But, I mean, I can, uh, you could see, obviously, the Suns are the favorites and they deserve to be that. It wouldn't stun me if Memphis did it because this is now you're talking about like a young team, but a young team that has gone through the ringer a little bit, has uh, taken its lumps in the, in like. Playoff uh, ga- no, adjacent no, teams? No, pun
1: intended. <laughs>
0: oh no, all puns, all puns intended, always. Um, but like they've gone, they, 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 you know, they've played through the play-in tournament. They won the play-in tournament. They made the playoffs last year. Like that whole young core had that experience. And then similarly, you know, you're, you're pointing to Dallas's record for the last few months. Basically, since the first 15 or so games of the season, Memphis has just been this good. Like they're not. It's not like they got hot at the right time. They've been awesome since like they were. I think they were eight and nine, and then they've been incredible since. And so there's the que- there are questions about a lot of these teams, but there are also so many potential answers and so many people that could go on a heater and carry somebody for like three weeks. So, I mean, all that to say, I'm pretty friggin sti- like, excited about what that's going to look like, because I think it's the opportunity for a lot of these like young guys to put their mark on something and make an advancement. And, you know, when we've had those chances in the past, it's re- led to some pretty special postseason. So Dallas could absolutely be part of that. So, could I think a handful of other teams? And that's kind of what makes it pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, like, w- even whether it's part two with Devin Booker, whether it's if Jamal Murray were to come back with Denver and have more opportunities to shine, cat his first time, assuming the Wolves get in. I mean, like, if they get through the plan, or even they, if they were to move up to the sixth seed, but like, whatever it might be, a lot of young guys are going to have, oper- never mind like some of the rotation guys, like on the Warriors or Kaminga, if Moody gets a night. You know, like guys like that are very excited about even besides the John ja Rants of the world and Luca too, because this is for Luca an opportunity to get past the first round for the first time. One last question about Luca before we move on: uh, Why is the guy who's averaging twenty eight nine and nine not and a serious MVP candidate? Is this just a, is just just a testament to Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid are another level, or are we kind of? Overlooking the fact that a guy averaging twenty eight nine and nine on the second best team in basketball since December thirty first isn't is for some reason just not being mentioned in this. So I go, I'm i just curious about your thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of it is definitely that that
0: t- top three feels like it's kind of trapped in amber. Like in whatever order you want to arrange those guys, should they I think be?
1: That- should they be though, with a twenty eight nine and nine guy? Um,
0: I mean. Okay, it's a fair question. I think that the the consistency of those like those first two months did happen, you know,
1: and so With some him of that coming you know, in out of shape, little chubby, you know, missed time. He has missed more games than those others.
0: Yeah, so there. I mean, there is a, a a consistency of resume component to it. Um, and and if it's a, you know, the longevity of the you know the the full season, I think there's that aspect of it. But uh, there's also you know uh, he's he deserves credit certainly for what Dallas, you know, his his role in Dallas is, Uh, evolution on the defensive end you know he's playing a bunch of minutes on a still good defense I think you know if you look at it obviously if you're considering both ends of the floor I think you would put Giannis and Embiid over him in terms of what he can mean and then obviously all the numbers on Jokic continue to say better defender than everybody gives him credit for and I think maybe less so with Luka but if you're like it's like the all the holistic all-around component of it I think those guys for their full resumes and um, you know including the defensive end and all that kind of stuff are probably going to wind up ahead on a lot of scorecards. But if you're just talking best player, I mean, he has an argument against basically everybody else in the league right now. And that is an... it's an So, I mean, all that said, I'm betting you find him on more like fourth and fifth uh, spots by the end of the season, like as Steph falls off of some ballots, perhaps because of injury and, you know, an extended stretch where he was uh, lesser than he was earlier in the season without Draymond. You know, maybe DeRozan falls down a little bit as the Bulls, you know, have struggle. Uh, You know, maybe uh, Luca climbs up some of those those rankings, but um, it's I think it's maybe more the the framing of like if you're fourth or fifth in this class, given how good the top of the league has been, there's you know sort of no shade on that.
1: Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. We did mention Steph Curry. There was news this morning about the foot injury he suffered in the Warriors' loss to the Celtics on Wednesday night. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN tweeted out, the initial evaluation of Steph Curry's sprained ligament in his left foot offers optimism that he can return by the start of the playoffs in mid-April, but he's expected to see specialists soon for further evaluation. Dan, um, this is one of the reasons why we're talking about Can Dallas go all the way? Can Memphis go all the way? Could Denver go all the way? Because the Golden State Warriors, this whole year, starts out without Clay Clay Thompson. Then he comes back and Draymond's out. Then Draymond comes back. They play a game together. They hug at the after the win. It's beautiful. I feel so great. My life is amazing. I'm watching Steph, Draymond, and Clay Thompson on the court together again. And then this happens. I I I picked the Warriors to go to the finals before the season. I changed the Suns mid year. I don't think I can go back to picking the Warriors to go to the NBA finals. It just feels like it could be one of those years, man. Yeah, I mean the the fact that it was what is like a, a a
0: thousand and five days for them all to get back on the court together, and then now right away it's going back to it is such a such a bummer. Um, I mean it's just obviously the optimism that Woj talks about is is wonderful. You know, you'd love to see. Uh, Steph uses, I mean, maybe this is like a him to, you know, get a little bit fresh legs after, you know, carrying such a huge load all season, and if he's able to rehab and kind of rest and come back to it. But you'd you'd imagine, I mean, just given how their offense has struggled when he's been off the court for much of the season, I think it's like 7.5 points per hundred or something worse with him off the court, which is a huge, huge gap. Um, you know, even now, obviously getting Draymond back, getting Clay back, uh, you know, Jordan Poole can play some of that role you know there, there's there's more options in terms of how to try to plug the gaps but there is no replacement for Stephen curry um if you are likely to not now this you have to imagine this drops them down out of the two spot you know if memphis is able to keep keep rolling with a softer schedule on the yeah. way back and returning you think to health so. you you'd figure think so. <laughs> that so then so then this yeah. lines it up where you're looking at either a, at a three six of or you know maybe uh for the i mean there, there's enough of a cushion between them and utah but like Three and a six. half,
1: three and a half with, you know, 10 to 13 games left for every team in the NBA. It's not impossible, but yeah, I mean, with no, with no Steph though, woo, I mean, <laughs> you can't rule anything out, especially if Utah or Dallas, especially Dallas just keeps on rolling. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, then you're, you're talking about an opening round series against, I mean, you know Denver, Dallas or, or, you know, Utah, depending on, how, on what the slide looks like. And if you're going into that with a less than 100% Steph and, you know, Clay, has been, you know, has been great uh, at times, and then obviously had some struggles as he's come back from, you know, two, two significant seasons off of injury. Like everything, everything is now on the table. Like if, uh, the, I've been saying when I talk to people, I think that the spread of potential outcomes for Memphis is probably the widest in the conference. Like I wouldn't be stunned if they got bit in the first round. I wouldn't be stunned if they made it all the way to the finals. Oh yeah, this injury <laughs> for Steph maybe introduces them into that kind of conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, and in a way, it almost makes me think about just how much of a, it increases the disappointment for a team like the Lakers, where, like, it's open. It's open right now. The Suns are the favorite in the Western Conference, but besides that, it's wide open, and if you had a a healthy AD and a Russell Westbrook, who was either shooting jumpers at his career averages or just not at all, uh, you know, you'd be in in better shape than the guy who's shooting 11% from three and... 20% from mid-range since the All-Star break. Like, he's in his own head. He is the Yips. Um, But ultimately, though, like, it is what it is, and it's these other teams that are going to seize this opportunity to potentially make a deeper run. And not having Stephen Curry, man, man, like, I... I, I, Like, it could be bad down the stretch of this season, and if he were to miss time to the postseason, obviously, they're likely going to be an early out. Um, But it's just, like, for me, more than anything, it's just it's just sad. Like, I was I was personally really looking forward to watching, you know, Steph, Draymond, and Clay play down the stretch of this season. You have Draymond after the game the other night on, on the Warriors broadcast. He's like, we're going to win the championship. Um, you know, and it's just like, you're not going to win the championship unless you have all three of you guys. It just sucks. I'm just very disappointed by it. Uh, moving on to another injury. Woj and, and Ramona Shelburne reported on ESPN that Ben Simmons has a, quote, Ir- irritation of the L4 disc of the lower spine, and he received an epidural shot in his back. Um, the Nets said to, that he hoped he'll be back the last couple of regular season games before the play-in or the playoffs begin, but with only 12 games left right now, the Nets are 3.5 back from the Cavs for the 6th seed, and they're 3.5 back from the Raptors for the 7th seed. So the odds are, as we just said with the Warriors, it'll be hard to slide down for Golden State. It'll be hard for Brooklyn to move up with so few games remaining, but they're only one ahead of the Hornets, one and a half ahead of the Hawks. So unless Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, changes laws there with the mandates, Kyrie's only going to play three of the remaining 12 games from the Nets. Eight games are in Brooklyn. One is in Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. Only three games with Kyrie down the stretch. The dude who just scored 60 earlier this week, only three. So it's going to be tough for Brooklyn down the stretch of this year. Dan, what what's your level of belief in the Nets today as a team that can win the championship?
0: Uh, I guess I don't know. Can they tank down to tenth? Can can, <laughs> can, we, can we get can we get them out of the seven eight with the Raptors where Kyrie wouldn't be able to play any of it? Um, I think my, it's. I think you have to. If you're being a pragmatist and a realist about this, you have to say that the be- my le- that your level of belief is waning, and like, it's just there are you know reasonable people can differ on what they think of Kyrie's stance and his decision-making. My personal decision is that this should have been solved a long time ago by Kyrie Irving getting the vaccine shot. That's my personal belief. But this is, we we are here now we are at this place and there's a month to go, less than a month to go in the regular season. And they just, they don't have enough time to get everything together. They can be good with Kevin Durant and some of Kyrie and some games and, and just try. And also, I mean, they, they have, Seth Curry's been out. They haven't gotten to have like even their full complement of what's less than their full complement on the court at this point. Um, It's, I believe in Kevin Durant to be able to shoulder a a heavy burden. I don't know that I believe in Kevin Durant to be able to shoulder that level of burden from like the seven, eight, nine, or 10 spot through four rounds. So if that's, and if like the expectation for a team that's this, has invested this much in being this good is that they are a championship-level team. And there there simply isn't enough in evidence of that at this point. And there's just not
1: enough time to get it all there. So it seems seems like your level of confidence right now is fairly low, considering the road ahead. It's not about the team itself. It's the road that they have to take, possibly winning two play-in games, and then a first-round series against the Heat or Bucks, whoever the one or two seed is. Yeah. And then another t- tough second round series, and then another tough third round series. that's really just about the road you're talking about more than what they could be uh, uh, as a team themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if you were telling me that I could bank on getting Kyrie Irving for, for 35 minutes a game every game, then I, my level of confidence would rise significantly, but especially well, let's I mean, say
1: let's say you, you do get full-time Kyrie. Let's say that the law changes the, the, the private you know mandate. it changes the New York the Kyrie's full- time. Let's, let's say Simmons comes back the last couple of regular season games like they hope. In that case, are you are, are you picking them to go to the NBA finals if we get no. them entering the no, you're not because no, of the I'm road not. still. E- even Because then. of the because of the road still also because if you're if if Simmons is on
0: the court like if Simmons had gotten on the court after the trade and had this amount of, of like runway to both shake off the rust and figure out how he fits in on in a completely new context, alongside a completely new set of players, then sure. But if you're saying maybe they get him back for two games before it all starts, like it, it, it just does not seem like enough time for all of this to congeal. Now, I still, I mean, I, I would say that if if you have a full time Kyrie with KD and the rest of the roster as constructed right now with no Simmons, I would I would bet on them to come out of the play in. I would, you know, and I would. I, I don't, but I don't know that I would bet on them to go past the heat uh, or past either the heat or the bucks because they've just, they haven't been good enough. Like, even with their two best guys, I don't know that I believe they would be able to defend either of those teams at a high enough level. I don't know that I believe that they would be able to, uh, you know, sort of congeal in time for that to happen. So it's part of the, it's partly the road. It's partly just, it's late. Like, you needed to figure all this shit out way before now, and they haven't. And, there's a lot of reasons why they haven't, but they haven't. And so then like you wind up, it's like handing in uh, your, you know, the, the deadlines here. What did you write? And, and if you ha- if the story's only half written,
1: it's not going <laughs> to, we're not going to run it, you know? And so I think that's
0: kind of where we are with them right now.
1: Sure. I, I mean, and I, I think even with a guy like Ben Simmons, the, the value in getting him uh, minutes playing with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, because his role is going to be different than it was in Philadelphia. This is for a, sure. a brand new offense, brand new circumstances. Everything's going to be so much different. Um, for a guy like him, I, I think there's an immense value in getting those reps with the team. And, and plus, he still does shoot with the wrong hand. That could be problematic uh, at some point in the postseason. We'll see. By the way, did you see Mason Plumley switch shooting hands from his right to his left mid-season? Did you see that, Dan?
0: <laughs> uh, I saw somebody mention. I, I did not see it in real time. I have not been closely tracking. Did you Mason see the Plumlee's- Eric
1: Collins clip? The Hornets announcer calling Mason Plumley shooting a free throw with his left hand. It was the funniest thing.
0: Well, listen, I mean, we've, we've all long known that Mason Plumley is one of the more versatile big men in our game. He's a triple double machine just waiting to be unleashed. Uh, and now, you know, maybe this this sort of unlocks his full game. Uh, and what, what a sight to behold it will be.
1: Mason. Oh, lefty. He shot it left and he hit it. Mason Plumley shot that left handed and he made it. He's shooting 36% with a right hand and he said, let's do it from the southpaw side. With the Suns, they're eight and four without Chris Paul. What have we learned about them without CP3? Uh, that all of
0: the sort of like fringe discussion about how ultimately it's about how CP3's leadership has uh, lifted all boats. It's like, maybe just give a little bit of respect to the other dudes too. Like not, no no, no, shade on Chris Paul's leadership, which is, you know, uh, estimable in its own right. But like, Devin Booker's this fucking good. DeAndre Ayton is this good. Mikael Bridges is this good. Uh, Cam Johnson is this and is this good and talk about guys that are going to get bags like Cam Johnson is this good and has uh, like ad- the, the space that was created through Paul's injury. They have all expanded to to fill. And um, I think it's a testament to uh, those guys individually, first off, and, and, and honestly to Booker more than maybe you know, more than all, like, you know, first among equals there, because this was happening before CP got there. Right. You know, we watched the bubble. We saw that, and even like the first couple of months before the bubble, or the last couple of months rather before the bubble, that lineup with Ubre in the middle as opposed to Bridge, it fit. It made sense the way that that construction worked with Rubio on the ball instead of Paul. Like it, the, the lineup fit. And a testament to, you know, uh, Ryan McDonough first and now James Jones, the way they've constructed that roster and the way, that, and Monty Williams, the way they, he sort of has everybody knowing exactly what is expected of them. And then when there's more opportunities, it's guys... You, the, the guys who are producing at a lower level of, over the course of the full season, it's because they're sacrificing to buy into a broader team structure. They can do more. And so now you're seeing those guys that, have, that are able to do more. Um, I, I think it, just, it, like, it shows just how much overall talent is on that team and also how effectively Monty's gotten everybody to buy into being like, yeah, I, I, exactly. know you can, I know you can get 20, but right now what we need you to do is this. And so like, there will be there will be an opportunity for you to do that campaign. There will be a time where I, you, you are going to, I guess, just be like diet Chris Paul. Like, I don't know how we got here, but there will be a time for you to do that. But right now, this is what we need. And so, I mean, I think you have to look at it as it's sort of the opposite of what we were talking about with uh, with Golden State. There's no replacing Chris Paul, just as there is no replacing uh, Stephen Curry. But you, this is a proof in concept like the Suns can win without him. Whether they can win a championship without him, you know, I, I don't believe that. But if yeah. you're expecting he's going to be back and available, they can win without him. And we, we now we've seen it, and we've seen the the, the machine keep rolling.
1: Yeah, I mean they're eight, they're eight and four without him. Uh, over the five games without Chris Paul, that Cam Johnson was pl- uh, playing before he went out, he was averaging 23 points on 12 shots per game, eight shots from three. Five free, free, free throws per game, up from one for his entire career. He was running five pick and rolls per game compared to one and a half prior. Mikkel Bridges up to four, or five pick and rolls per game as well. He has a big night the other night for Phoenix, 26 points. Campaign, Aaron Holiday getting more touches. I, I, it It just shows exactly what you said. These guys are all sacrificing and buying, and even DeAndre Ayton doing a little bit more off the dribble, taking some more mid range, a couple of three-pointers here and there, there's more freedom for some of these other guys rather than, hey, we have Chris Paul, who is one of the best isolation scorers in NBA history. Let's kick it out to him and get a shot from him. Let's have him run pick and roll. We're seeing, though, that if there comes a time in the playoffs, whether it's injury or whether it's you know a guy's just out because of foul trouble, a suspension, whatever it is, That the Suns have guys who can lift their games up to another level if need be. Like this, this team, like over and over and over again, they've shown that they have more layers. I I think this is really the next one. As you said, the fact that this team is sacrificed and bought in. And yet, even without Chris Paul, they keep winning because those guys who were sacrificing all for the greater good of the team. Can actually do way more when they need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. It really is. I love watching Mikel Bridges run some pick and roll, score twenty six points, do some stuff off the dribble. Cam Johnson was doing that too. It's just a, a reminder of how insanely talented this team is, as, and why they're the favorites in the West.
0: Yeah, I mean, if the all their run last year was derailed by the fact, like, we don't have a one on one matchup for Giannis. Guess what? Basically, nobody else in the world has a one on one matchup for Giannis, right? So, if you can't just find that guy or create him in a lab, what can you do? Well, we're going to do all the things that made us awesome last year even better. And then we're just going to tinker around until we get to be like 10 deep with guys who can, who have, have filled larger roles elsewhere, who have experience in the playoffs and who we're going to be able to trust in different circumstances. And then we're just going to be like, well, we think our young guys that keep getting better, which they do year after year, like, it's the best Booker we've seen. It's the best Aiden we've seen. It's the best Bridges we've seen, so on down the line. Like we're gonna trust that those guys are just gonna be able to elevate their games even further. And you know, it was funny you were saying, you know, they, you know, it, this it's wide open. There's no, you no, know, no one thing. I'm like, don't let the guys from the timeline hear you say that. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna come <laughs> after you if they hear it. Um, but uh, it's it, it, you have to come away from it feeling like I don't know where the holes are that you're gonna be able to poke through them, and it's gonna be awfully tougher for, for some team in the West to like. Ram through them, uh, it, coming from that one spot.
1: I want to talk about uh, a young team that's not good right now. Uh, something Devin Booker used to experience now is being experienced by Shea Gildas Alexander. Check the segways on this kid, man! Incredible. <laughs> I mean, Devin Booker. You know his experiences with the Suns and my experiences calling them the Bright Future Suns makes it easy because <laughs> right now, like, it, it's too easy to say the Bright Future Thunder. Like, they can't be the next Bright Future team. Because they have 400 draft picks over the next eight <laughs> years. But Gildas Alexander right now, 31 points per game, 7.5 assists, 6.1 rebounds and 11 games since the All-Star break. He had his best numbers of the season after a slowish start prior to his absence in late January. This is his second year in a row averaging 24, 6, and 5, but the Thunder still aren't good. One of the worst records in the NBA. Is Shea Gildas-Alexander's play translatable to a winning situation like Devin Booker's has been with the Suns?
0: Well, I, th- I definitely think so because I think it's, it's it, a level of, uh, it's not dominant or overwhelmingly ball dominant in a way that doesn't leave space for other people. I, I think that there's, he's, he has obviously developed his own, his own ability to get his own shot more than he's been like a f- true facilitator. But he's, that is still part of his game. He's still able to do that. And to the point where I think the analog might be a little less like someone like Booker and maybe more someone like Ja, because the w- it's all built around rim pressure, right? It's all built around his ability. Now, he doesn't do it at a thousand miles an hour like Ja does, but the way he gets to the rim, he's averaging 24 or 23.9 drives to the, to the basket a game. That leads the league. It's more than Luke. It's more than Ja. It's more than everybody. Because even though it looks like he's like the herky jerky kind of start stop, he's able to get there against everybody even on a team where you pretty much know you've got to throw three guys behind in front of him to be to be able to keep him away he's still getting to the rim and so what i what, and what i imagine will be likely or the 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 framework there is all right with Ja, it was like we know he can get to the rim we know he can throw he can sort of pass guys open we know he can be that sort of north south creator let's surround him with guys who can shoot and run with him and the Thunder are working on that. It's it, it, there are. It's not as easy as just saying like I'm just going to pluck this one. You got to hit a lot of home runs in the draft. You got to be able to nail some of those those lower uh, first round selections, things like that. But there's obviously no shortage of opportunities for Sam Presti to be able to do that with the the bushel of picks he's got coming up, and with some of the talent they've already got in house. You know, they've already they've hit on Lou Dort. They've hit on Josh Giddey. Uh, you know, the shots not there for Giddy, but everything else certainly. Everything seems to else, be. It, isn't everything it disappointing
1: else. we're not able to see Giddy right now in the second half of the season? As soon as Dagnault announced Giddy's gonna run our offense the rest of the season, boom, he's out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and, and that's, you know, you talk about reps, and you know, the, the, the idea of someone like you'd love to see Simmons get the opportunity to it at least in, you know it, figure out what the temperature is like when he's on the floor with Kyrie and and KD very much the same with with giddy because i mean they played earlier in the season but the level that giddy got to while shea was out is different and so then it's like well now how do we adjust how do we uh you know tweak the the dials a little bit on who has the ball when what actions do we run if you are able to run shea off of you know off ball more does that open up with his shooting with his ability to turn a corner and get downhill what does that open up for everybody else and to suddenly like is it, you know, as Darius basically like expanding his game even further, or are you getting more out of somebody like Trey man? I know what, I know your boy, uh, you know, like there, <laughs> there are so many opportunities you've got. Trey to, like, man's
1: good, dude. <laughs> he, is, he is. He's no, like no, man, I shouldn't say he's good. He's not far from being good. That's the way I would put it.
0: And so that, but so that's the the distance they have to travel, right? Is there's a lot of guys there that are like not either not far from being good or a lot of potential opportunities to get guys that are in that spot. But Shea's the one that's going to have to, Demand the attention and rise in you know, a raise the tide, and I believe that his his game is capable of doing that. But he it, it takes a better talent around him. B raising his level on the other end. What are you not good at now, and where can you get to? That's the Booker comp, right? Booker became a good defender through effort, through through consistent uh, you know evaluation of I need to be better at this, so that when we're ready to win, I'm not like a drag on the team. shake can you do that and be that guy on the ball, off the ball, et cetera. And then that's what elevates everybody else. But I think the talent's there to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm with you 100% on SGA. He His play is translatable to a winning situ- situation. It's just a matter of, is it going to be an OKC or not? Like With all the trade rumors we heard last year, number one peg possibly for Kate. if they wanted to reset the clock, then maybe you're you're getting a significant return, but I, I regardless of where it is, OKC, which it probably would be. I don't see why they wouldn't keep a young, you know, twenties point guard doing the things that he's doing. Um, I, we aren't getting to see Giddy in the Rookie of the Year race anymore, um, which is unfortunate. He was starting to put himself in that top four, uh, making it a top four instead of a top three with Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and Cade Cunningham. I want to talk about the Raptors real quick. They were 23 and 23 in late January and they're 16 and 7 since then, which is a 57 win pace, and I find that really incredible because 14 of their last 18 games have been on the road. They've spent 4 days in Toronto since the All-Star break and yet the team keeps winning. They've just won 5 in a row on the road against the Clippers in a really awesome win on Wednesday, like it it was just a fun, like just pure Effort, basketball, no-quit basketball from both teams. Then they beat the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Suns, and the Spurs. One night, it's Siakam, impossible to stop. One night, it's Gary Trent Jr. dropping 41. It's Van Vliet. It's role players like Achua and Kim Birch. It's Scotty Barnes going 25-10-8 against Denver. And in that game, I, pfft, I, I thought Scotty Barnes played some of the best <laughs> season that we've seen all season against Jokic. And it wasn't just him, though. Like It was a team effort. The whole team. Playing consistently physical, consistently focused, the way they fronted, pressured, doubled sometimes, single coverage sometimes, constantly given different looks at the great game plan by the coaching staff, perfectly executed by the players, and especially by a rookie in Scotty Barnes, who's just been absolutely excellent, man. And my question for you is this Will Scotty Barnes win rookie of the year? Before I answer, I want to say it is it is endlessly
0: funny to me that at the deadline when it was like, well, Toronto could really use an upgrade at center. What are they going to do? They're like, oh, well, they'll go get a six foot eight guy with long arms who yeah. isn't really a center and they get that young. And it's like, we're just going to build the whole plane out of the exact same guy. Whole
1: thing. He, Cl- he Clipper, can Clippers can do that if Kawhi and Paul George come back. OKC is very clearly building uh, with the uh, length and, and size with playmakers in mind with Giddy, even the Poku if it, whether it works out or not, they're building big. Uh, other teams are doing that too, including the Raptors, like you said, but yeah, sorry.
0: No, it's okay. Well, you, you're going to need uh, Poku to become about like 2 or 3x Poku. We, we're we going to need to expand him width-wise as, as opposed also, to height. Also,
1: though, I like Poku right now. I like seeing him get stripped at half-court by the Jante Mari. It's fun. <laughs> yeah it's all growth right it's, it, it's all, all development it, it, it's fun to see that it's also gonna it's also fun when he's crossing people up as a set, lanky seven footer like poku poku i love watching poku all the time no matter how the results are exactly it's a, <laughs> anyway johnny barnes
0: it's a giant j.e skeets scotty barnes okay scotty barnes <laughs> is um uh no he's not gonna win rookie of the year evan Mobley is gonna win rookie of the year but scotty barnes will are you probably sure? finish second yeah i'm how, I, I feel how, how pretty how sure I feel pretty confident about Why? that. Why?
1: Why? There's one month to go. I, I just I just want to push back. Why? Okay.
0: I think because the thing the th- well, a there's like the the anchoring effect of like this was the way it was at the beginning of the season, and so we sort of like that. You know, the the longer someone ap- has the appearance of being in the lead, the more you think that they just have the lead. So I think that's part of it. And so in the minds of many voters, that will be like there were people who were like, does Mobley deserve all-star consideration? And there wasn't that for Barnes. Whether that was reasonable or not, I think that like those sorts of discussions stick in people's brains. The other thing I would say is the Cavs lose Jared Allen and they just slide Mobley to starting center. And they, they, no, they have not been perfect since that happened. But the fact that he went from, I'm the complimentary guy, who plays off of the other big guy to like, okay, now I'm the starting center and we're winning games and I'm putting up big numbers and I'm doing it like as the rim protector and facilitator and a role guy, like the all around of that on a team that nobody expected to be a playoff team, I think is what will carry that. You can absolutely push back and say, all of that is also true of Scotty Barnes because the Raptors didn't, uh, people didn't expect that from the Raptors. I was maybe a little higher on them coming into the season than, than other people, Same. but, yeah. uh, but I think that it's, uh, the, 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 just that that Mobley has a little bit more of a shine in that case, and then when as you you I have not gone through like the full suite of advanced numbers recently, but I'm guessing that when you go through that whole exercise, he grades out a little bit better than Barnes like across the board, and so I think that kind of stuff plus the discussions people have had leading up to now what would your is what'll get you three, there.
1: Your personal top three, what would that be right now?
0: Here is the caveat. I I think I'm going to wind up with a vote again. I don't know for sure. I, I've ha- I've been lucky enough to have a, a real vote, so this well, is not.
1: regardless, official or not, yes.
0: Yeah. So, but if people don't like, put this on a spreadsheet saying we already know what his votes are. <laughs> um. So, uh, I would say, uh, yeah, I'd say Mobley one, Barnes two, and then I'd probably go with Cade three. The name that you need to or that needs to be in that discussion probably. Uh, I mean, Giddy was was a good one, but I think Franz Wagner winds up in that discussion too. It depends kind of on how many people have been actually watching the magic, but he's been consistently really good in like a whatever role we need to give him across the board uh, spot for a team that has needed somebody to do lots of different things all season long. He feels like the kind of guy who's going to be, be an apex role player for a really long time, and maybe even more than that. I don't know, but. Um, so, Vog, I mean, that, the, who gets the three, four between like Cade, who has been just incredible for this month and then was also re- really good going back a couple of months too? Uh, and Wagner's who's just sort of been consistently solid all the way through. That's kind of the question in my brain right now.
1: Yeah, I, I think Wagner's definitely fourth right now. Um, but, you know, you could make an argument for him third because of the consistency, as you said. Uh, I mean, right now, I, I'd give Mobley like the slightest of edges over scotty barnes at the moment um that could very well change over the last month of season like i think with the way the raptors are playing and particularly the way in which scotty barnes can be utilized the way he does different things on a night-to-night basis defending bigger players smaller players guards wings sometimes he's a facilitator sometimes he's a scorer he just does everything for that team and like evan mobley does too in his own way for cleveland I'm um, filling different roles, as you said. Jared Allen goes down; he's playing more of that back line, playing more center. Um, both of those guys, like unbelievable as rookies. Cade Cunningham's development as a rookie over the course of the year: he starts off out, comes back a little sluggish to start. He's been so much better, so much more in command. the The one guy who's really not in that discussion has been Jalen Green, and he's not going to be in that discussion because he's only been good since early February. But even then, like if you're projecting forward for the years to come jalen green he's averaging 19 points on 39 percent from three since february 1st scoring from everywhere pulling up the shoot from mid-range stepping back the three against really good defenders coming off screens had that huge corner three last week against the lakers coming off a screen he looks better in command of the ball in the pick and roll playing with better pace uh like i like you watch the progress of a guy like that and it's like Wow, this draft class could be unbelievable. Like it yeah. could have a bunch of stars, man. It's wild,
0: all like all time special. And because the, the thing with Green too, like everybody knew he could, he would be able to score walking into the league, right? Like that was going to happen. It was where does he help you elsewhere? And there was a point recently around, I think, that same kind of uh, time span, like beginning of February, or whatever, like six week span, beginning of February to now, where he had, I think, it was like more steals than turnovers, and you're like. Oh, if he's not just throwing the ball over the place and if the assist to turnovers are coming up, then all right. Then like every possession you have in his hand, you feel pretty good about. And if that's the case and he can just get to the bucket or create, you know, and he's able to do a little bit of a, you know, event creation on defense and get out and transition, they are able to sort of pick up the pace that way. His ceiling becomes even that much higher. And so. It is it is an uncommon level of defensive quality in this draft class. Like you were saying, I mean, the fact that you got guys, like Mobley is going to wind up, people are going to be talking about should he be on all defense, whether that's real or not, whether he winds up getting there. It's a discussion. It's a legitimate discussion. He, he's Bar-
1: on the, the the big pile of names. There's 10 yeah. spots, two teams for all defensive teams. He's on the big pile of guys that you should at least have in consideration when, when you're sure. organizing your teams, you know? And I mean, Barnes, like, it is not light that Ty Lue
0: goes and says, like, when I look at him, I see Draymond Green. You're like, all right, well, if Ty Lu, if Ty Lue's seen that up close and personal in the finals and stuff, you know, like if that, if that's what he sees, like you got to wait that. And uh, both in terms of the, the facilitation and the ability to defend everybody all over the, of the court. It's been, uh, th- that you have guys, you know, obviously you mentioned, uh, Cunningham his growth on that end over the year. Uh, Herb Jones has been sensational since the beginning of the season, uh, in terms of locking people up. There's just, it's rare to get this many guys who come in and are able to defend at a high level right away. Um, and you know, if you can do that, you'll stay on the floor. And if you can stay on the floor, the other aspects of your game, the touches, the shots, everything else, the the reps, the, the way to to break down the floor and to read the game, that all gets a chance to grow too. And so, yeah, where this class can go is it's, it's really exciting. But I think for right now, I would probably go Mobley, Scotty, Cade, uh, and then you know we'll see over the next month, la- next month of the year who winds up winning the vote.
1: Do you um do you have any theories on why that is? Is it, is it just a wave of players who are coming in that happen to be very smart, intelligent, gritty, hardworking, tough hustlers on defense, or or is it there's something, some other factors going into it? Just to have because it's not just this season; it's you know recent years too. We've had a wave of rookies come into the league that are. Ready. <laughs> They're yeah, ready to yeah, defend. Yeah. They're ready to execute the game plan. They're ready to do different things on offense. It's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's just I'm in two in the moment. Um, but I don't remember rookies being like this in the early 2000s, in the late 2000s, even the early 2010s, not nearly as much as it has been the last four or five years or so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I'd be interested to hear what you know, like Sharks or or Kyle would say about it. You know, plug for upside high, everybody. Um, yes, but terrific show. Um, I wonder if as every, you know, like the Warriors move to a switch everything defense, right? And then the Rockets move to a switch everything defense. And I wonder to what degree that trickles down at like the college level or the grassroots level. And if you're coming up, learning how to defend different positions, learning how to, sometimes you're in man, sometimes you're in zone, sometimes you're in a switch, like learning just how to do different stuff earlier. Maybe it's a little less foreign when you get to the league. And maybe then that allows you to be a little more adaptable or you know, if you are uh, on some AAU teams or in some college structures, you're like, I'm the ball dominant guy all the time. Sometimes you're playing with four other guys who are going to go to the league. So you wind up slotting up off the ball or like USA basketball, where a lot of these guys in the under 19s, like you, have there's like a whole future all rookie team on the roster and you've got to learn how to get in where you fit in a little bit. Um, maybe that allows for greater adaptability and sort of learning more skill sets earlier. I don't know. That's just kind of a, you know, a theory or, uh, you know, bounce it off the wall, but The result is a lot of guys seem more, you're right, seem more ready to go early and even seem like instead of hitting the rookie wall and sliding down it, like hitting the rookie wall, but then getting stronger as the season goes (laughs) on too, which is kind of wild.
1: Yeah, I I know. I'm 100% with you. I think that's one of the factors. I mean, when people talk about, like Steph Curry just tweeted about it the other night. He's like, stop sending me videos of these kids shooting like, you know, long range jump shots and clanking saying I ruined the game. Like Steph changed the game on offense with his the range, the way he's taken threes, the way he's shown the the potential of the three-pointer, um, especially the dribble jumper. But Draymond Green in his own ways kind of changed the way teams can defend and the way, like you said, it might trickle down to lower levels where younger guys are p- having to play more versatile. Teams are playing more like opponents have to against Golden State with more versatility. Teams around the NBA felt like they had to do that. They saw how it can be effective to play that way. We'll see Dallas kind of test that out. Like we talked about earlier at the beginning of our, of our conversation, they don't have size, but they have versatility. Um, there's so many teams. Toronto, we talked about them. The Clippers, we didn't get into, they could have the versatility as well. Teams are playing this way, and kids are playing this way too. And I'm sure that that has to be playing into the way in which These guys are operating early in their NBA careers. And I'll tell you what, man, like I'm enjoying watching basketball now more than I have probably my whole life. Like the the quality of player in the league, um, the depth of star talent, the depth of like good role players. Every team has something good to watch on it. There's something fun. There's something exciting. There's something that gives you hope. And uh, I, 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 I can't think of a time in my life, a season in my life, where I could watch all 30 teams and be like, "Yeah, I'm having a good time," or "This is entertaining." Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details.
1: Even watching the Lakers fail is very... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is entertaining to see LeBron James get pissed off when Russell Westbrook's missing a defensive rotation, or you know, Carmelo Anthony's not helping on a drive inside of the rim. It's just like wow, <laughs> it's something fun to watch with every team right now, man. <laughs> see here, 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 here's what. Sorry, here's what Lakers I, fans, I'm just being honest. It's fun no, it's, uh, Here's what I
0: will be paying attention to, like the way that the Wolves <laughs> just acted out against the Lakers last oh, night, where it was like man. just uh, like. Pat Bev going off and cat like making fun of like, the air ball. Look, yeah. Looking for the <laughs> wind and like cat getting fouled by LeBron and like cursing at LeBron as he walked <laughs> away. I'm like, if, cause and like the wolves are good, but they're not like, this is not like the sun's being like, we're going to joke on you because we beat yeah. you in the playoffs and whatever. This is like a middle, like a, a team that they might see in the playoffs. <laughs> so like, if yeah. lebron like the thing that i will be watching is a is it now open season is everybody going to be doing this when they stomp on the lakers and b the lakers could see the the wolves again in the play in right like that could happen is this like lebron just winds up being like all right i am going to throw the gauntlet down on this i don't know what wh- what else we can do this season but i am going to make you pay for what you did and like that that <laughs> will be entertaining in and of itself but i don't know yeah the the comedy timing of pat bev and cat um. last night was was unbelievable
1: it, it it was fantastic and uh i'll tell you what though take your take your shots now yeah while you can right? yeah while you can because it may not last long it really might not Maybe AD comes back and he's 100% healthy. Maybe Russ is like, you know what? I'll finally listen to the coaching staff and LeBron James and, and the podcasters and the writers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. That'll, that'll be what it is. Russ will be like, you know what? I was listening to a podcast about me and, they, and here, this is what will change yeah. my mind. Yeah,
1: well, He's like, oh, I realize I'm shooting only 11% from three, but I'm shooting over 60% from the restricted area. Maybe I just shouldn't take some of these careless floaters and pull up mid-range jumpers with 18 seconds on the shot clock. Maybe I should just pass the ball to somebody else. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's what you should do.
0: Or he's like, you know what? I'm due. I hear that. I hear 11, percent and I, I think that I'm going to shoot 90 percent for the rest of the way.
1: Boy, like yeah, I, I, I like, you <laughs> keep you keep keep an eye on LeBron. Like when Russ shoots, I, I immediately my eyes dart to LeBron. Right. Immediately, <laughs> he, he knows. He know he knows when he talks about his quote about uh, well Lakers fans can react however they want to. They know good basketball, they know bad basketball. He is one hundred percent talking about Russell Westbrook. One hundred percent. We this is the guy who said it's time to fit in or fit out. He's always oh had God. these passive aggressive things that he does or tweets or says. This is who LeBron has been. It's it's his way of publicly saying stuff like that right or wrong however you agree disagree it doesn't matter that's 100 percent about russ and i i just wonder i i think we're at the point where this locker room for the lakers is just straight out broken it's just broken i i think my theory this is based on absolutely zilch is that russ is shooting for exactly the reason you said dan he's trying to shoot through it he thinks he's due and it's also a pushback against the forces telling him, you're Westbrook, stop shooting, you shouldn't be shooting. It's kind of like a, a just a, a last hurrah here of the version of Russell Westbrook that we've seen in the past. But I don't think this version of Russell Westbrook can exist moving forward in any winning basketball situation. Um, do you want your Knicks to trade for Russell Westbrook this offseason? <laughs> uh, uh
0: no, no, I don't want that, Kevin. Thank you so much for asking, though. Uh, how, how
1: do you react if they do? Let, let's say, Woj, you know, a couple months from now, you get a, a, a alert on your phone. Out of nowhere, like one of those things that's out of nowhere, the New York Knicks are in advanced talks to acquire Russell Westbrook <laughs> from the Los Angeles Lakers. What's your first thought in your mind?
0: Fuck. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, would, I would say that was maybe my first thought, my gut reaction. Um, yeah, no, it's just, like you can't, you can't tee it up, Kevin, and say he can't exist in any winning basketball situation and then go, <laughs> how would you feel if your team traded for him? Well, that's maybe, not, you, maybe you want a tanking year. here.
1: Maybe that's what you want. Another
0: one. I, here, yeah, maybe I yeah, will just keep piling them on. I'm going to be 40. <laughs> how many more of these can we add on before I see something good? Um, I would say, uh, and do this. You'll appreciate this. The thing that I want more than anything else is if they're going to be bad, I'd like to see them be bad feeding R.J. Barrett ball handling opportunities and surrounding him with shooters. Because I want to find out if you can make R.J. Barrett into a star, right? He's been moving in that direction for about two or three months. Higher usage, more ball handling, getting downhill to the rim. Put some shooters around him, give him a role man, see what he can do. If we're going to be bad, let's be bad in a, with a growth mindset, right? Uh, Russell Westbrook does not accomplish that goal unless he's the role man, which I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, that is like, that moving in that direction would make me uh, sad, but also this is the, this is we talk about growth mindset. I'm learning as I get older, and I have other things to, to, to focus on, like my children and my family and these things, um, to decouple my happiness from the New York Knicks. It took me a long time to mm. get here, but now I'm, I'm I'm growing. I'm I'm getting here. Last year was hard because it was like, well, now I do want to couple my happiness to the New York Knicks, and then very quickly this season, no, 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 get away from there, eject, pull the ripcord, get out of there. Um, you don't need to do that to yourself. And uh, Russell Westbrook, I think, would be a, would further allow me to view it analytically as opposed to investing my emotions into it. Well, I mean, maybe maybe there's a silver lining to
1: that. Has has your fandom changed since you? You know, I mean, you've been writing a long time now, like ha, ha, with Yahoo and now with the Ringer. Has your Knicks fandom changed as a result of working in sports and all, or is it like more? You said becoming a father and having more responsibilities. Um, but has, I guess has working in sports media changed your fandom? I Well, it's yes,
0: but I think maybe not in the way I expected. In, in part because, like, you know this, I mean, it's an every night thing during the season, especially, right? Like, you are almost always watching something. You're almost always reading something. It, it's a pretty consistent input. So... I am less likely now, like during the off season to watch a Mets game or to check in on the Giants on Sundays uh, or yeah. to watch the Rangers during the, you know, during the the, the next season or whatever else, you know, like the sort of peripheral sports. Like I'm, I now mostly just watch NB MB- the NBA and very little else in terms of sports. Like I'll check in on other stuff sometimes, but I'm much more casual with that than I was where I was a diehard about everything because there just isn't enough hours in the day for it. And, uh, the other part is, yeah, like, It's one thing if you're like your, you know, your wife or your kids are like, what's up? What's the problem? Or what are you upset about? And it's like, I don't know, like uh, this thing happened with work or the weight of the world or whatever. If you're like, I'm really mad because Tibbs just won't play the right rotations. Like your wife tells you, hey, get the fuck out of here. Like, no. All right, go, (laughs) go wash some dishes, go do some laundry, go play with your kids. Like you cannot be carrying negative Tom Thibodeau energy into our family time together when you are not working. So like. There, and I will say, the, the funniest thing anyone said to me about basketball Ta- this season... Tom
1: Thibodeau is ruining marriages in New York. That's what's happening.
0: He's well, no, a criminal. So the funniest thing anyone said to me about <laughs> basketball this season, absolutely, without a doubt, the first week of the season, I'm watching the Knicks. And if you remember the first week of the season, it was pretty good. And I look at my wife as she walks into the room and I'm like, hey, they're pretty good. And she goes, they're pretty good for now pretty good for now. Don't like, don't r- get yourself all excited about it. They're pretty good <gasps> for now. And so then, oh, sorry. The, the dog, Now, Everybody, that's Luger. Um, but uh, yeah, like, Hi, they're, Luger. Pre- <laughs> they're, they're pretty good for now. Don't get yourself all excited about it. And then two weeks later, she was, of course, 100% right, as she has been throughout our life together. So there we go.
1: There, there's somebody out there who saw the clip of Tom Thibodeau saying, Oh, uh, Miles McBride needs earn his minutes. He's earning his minutes, and everybody else. I always played more young players than anybody else in the whole league. Somebody heard Tibbs say that, like, honey, we're not having sex tonight. (laughs) (laughs) He's ruining marriages. I just That's can't. I
0: yeah. I mean, I, I think if 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 that is what's leading to the performance problems in the bedroom, and I, I would suspect there are other <laughs> other <laughs> issues that you should address, perhaps perhaps with a professional. But uh, but then again, yeah. I mean, I, listen, not for nothing. Nick's fandom in general should be addressed with a professional, uh, and I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know that I don't know that I'm qualified to be the one providing that sort of advice.
1: Oh boy. I mean, I'll tell you what, though. Like you said, it's about losing and focusing on growth mindset. You do have. You know Jericho Sims doing some good stuff off the bench.
0: Don't we'll be, you do this to me, Kevin? Don't you sit
1: there and try to try to tell me to get excited about Jericho? I'm, like, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to get you excited. I'm, <laughs> I'm just listening to some silver linings, which you will be writing about on theringer.com. Silver oh, linings for the ten this. worst teams in the NBA. But the Segway biggest silver King. lining, uh, I'll plug, I'll plug in your stuff, Dan. You write so much <laughs> great stuff for us. Uh, the Dallas article you wrote was awesome, but uh, like it was just so thorough. But um, with with the Knicks though, the biggest silver lining is RJ Barrett. Um, that guy has just been shredding for a couple months now. Uh, la- last thing I want to ask you about is just about RJ. Um, where are you at with him? Like, what is his ceiling? Uh, where is he going in his career? What is RJ Barrett going to be based off the development we've seen from him through now three years in his career and particularly the development we've seen from him averaging, you know, mid 20 point per game on greater efficiency the last two months. Yeah, I think
0: it's encouraging to see that, like he started the season playing off of Randall even more and, and just the, the jumper wasn't going. So then what did he do midway through the season? And Fred Katz at The Athletic had a great piece about it yesterday. It was like, I'm going to the rim. I'm just going, I'm going to get downhill and go to the rim, get, you know, two feet in the paint, get fouled or get a layup. And that's what I'm doing basically every time or kick it out. I'm doing that every time. And he's like, I think like doubled his number of drives, drives per game over the last couple of months. He's like, it's way up there. And so that is encouraging to you because it's like, I've diagnosed a problem. And rather than just trying to do the same thing in the same way, I'm going to figure out another way to be productive. And that to me is like, all right, that's the kind of guy you want to be investing more in. You want to be giving him more reps, giving him more of the ball. Um, the fact that it's, I mean, the three point shot has come back around. It's not at 40% like it was last season, but I think it was around 37 or so the last uh, a couple of months, the the ceiling for me comes down to: Is there a way for him? Can he like figure? You know, I guess you can't like breed explosiveness into a player three years into his career. He just he doesn't finish well enough at the rim when he gets there. The interior finishing is is, is a real challenge for him because he can't explode up through defenders. Getting comb- better
1: at drawing fouls, though. right? Yes,
0: yeah, com- he's combating that more recently by getting to the getting to the line more. And so, like, if you can't be a High sixties percent finisher at the rim, getting to the to the line seven times a game helps mitigate that somewhat, but it also makes it harder to just it, you are you are an easier as an easier check in that way. So if like it's the getting to the line is great. Now can you become an eighty thre- uh, percent foul line shooter as opposed to a seventy percent? Tough to make those kind of jumps, but that, I think we're there with him. We know what kind of player he is. He's essentially like a down market point forward a little bit. But who's who's got shake to his game? Who can just create? Who's run capable of running pick and roll? Who's capable of getting to the rim and the line? It's just you need all of those. Like he's made progress in all of those areas year over year, and it's just like it's one leap away from an all star. I think, but I but that's like the toughest leap to make. So I mean, it's exciting, but it's also like that is the it's a really hard jump to make. Uh, but I mean, the work ethic is there, so I wouldn't bet against it.
1: Dan, I want the Knicks to be good. I want <laughs> not them to as be much good. as I
0: do, Kevin. Not as much as I do.
1: Yeah, not I know. Definitely not as much as you do. Not not as much as any Knicks fan. But I, I want the Knicks to be good. I, I like you. I think back to Bing Bong, first night of the season. That video <laughs> on the streets in New York, and just the smile that put on my face just to see Knicks fans happy. Um, like just a. A rabid fan base of hardcore, passionate fans that have been losing forever. When this team starts winning again, and like starts winning seriously, like not even not even winning like last year, where it was like, oh my god, they're winning, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. winning in the sense that we have a chance to do something special and go a long way in the playoffs type of winning.
0: Mm-hmm. We could
1: win the championship type of winning. When the Knicks are at that level, I I can't imagine what the hysteria is going to be like around that fan base. So I, I I'm just. I look forward to when that day comes. It will come. We might be old and gray. I was gonna say, but 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 it can happen fast, dude. Like, can it happen fast? Has the NBA proven? If the NBA has proven anything to us, change can happen like overnight. Like from my fandom growing up, oh six, oh seven Celtics losing eighteen games in a row, then they get Ray Allen, and then they get Kevin Garnett. And then they start out like 30 and two that season and they're a dominant force. And I'm having the best time of my life after rooting for only, you know, losing or flawed Celtics teams throughout my youth and hearing about, oh, they'll never be like the days of Larry Bird and (laughs) McHale and Parrish. Like, I I always heard that when I was a kid. And then they became great and they won a championship. And like, I've, I've seen, I grew up the most spoiled Boston sports fan. Like, I could not have been born at a better time to root for the Red Sox, the Patriots, and the Celtics growing up. It's a good and, thing you're a
0: nice guy because it would make you insufferable otherwise.
1: Oh, I mean, I was insufferable. <laughs> I, mean, I was. I certainly was. On the forums I was on growing up, I was certainly insufferable. <laughs> I was the the Boston... I was the mass hole because I was the guy who on the forum rooting for the Boston sports teams. I was lucky. Um, but but like the Celtics were the one... That one meant the most because... Of How bad they were, and how great they became, and how sudden it happened, and and like my my experiences as a fan show what we're seeing today. You know, the Grizzlies get Ja, um, the Suns get Chris Paul. Uh, like, th- things can change really, really fast for your team, and that that's that's the one thing that I look at with a team like the Knicks, and I'm like, I don't know when it's going to happen. Sure, it might not happen this decade, but it could. And it can happen really fast, and I just look forward to that day to come because uh, Knicks fans remind me of uh, a crazier version of me when I was younger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate I appreciate those well wishes. There's a lot of years in this decade left, man. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully sooner than think, not. This do you think decade. we finish
1: this decade?
0: Uh, I, well, I don't know. I mean,
1: <laughs>
0: in the in time to- in the time we've been talking, it might already be 2032. That's right. <laughs>
1: Dan, I really appreciate you joining The Void, man. This is great.
0: Thanks so much, Kevin. It was very nice
1: of you to ask. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Void. A big thank you to Dan Devine for joining and to Jesse Lopez for producing. Please give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to the show. It really does help. Really appreciate listening. I'm looking forward to Friday and Tuesday with Chris Vernon. Two more episodes of The Mismatch coming up and then next week's episode of The Void, which will run on Wednesday for sure. It's going to run on Wednesday with two very, very special guests that I'm looking forward to. So stay tuned for that. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening again. Have a good one.